I work in product. I come from design and I focus on strategy work. Hi, I'm Aniko. I work in product. I come from software development and I focus on team development, process development and, and the other kind of development nowadays. Hi, Aniko. Hi, Yuli. Where are we today? We are in a forest. It's the three border mountain. So we are on the three border mountain and we are about to arrive at a peak where we can take a look at the city. And we have three dogs with us and a bunch of colorful wildflowers. So what are we going to talk about today? So we had a new intro because we got some feedback from our dear listeners that we talk about a lot of things, but it's unclear what we are actually doing in our work life. Like, what are we? So we tried to express that somehow, but then we realized that it's not a coincidence that it's not clear from our talks because it's also not super easy to uh, define. So today we will talk about that, what we are doing and uh, how we can define ourselves. So why, why is it uh, hard for you to define yourself? I always thought of you as a service designer, but I realized that I both don't exactly know what that means and don't exactly know if that's what you are doing. So why is it uh, hard for you to define yourself? There are a variety of design titles today. The business of design has diversified quite a bit in the past 10-15 years and newer and newer jobs have formulated out of it. And service design is one of those titles. But I find that what I do today and what I've been doing in the past couple of years doesn't necessarily fit in any of those boxes. It's true that I come from an education of service design and industrial design, and I have tried a variety of these different jobs throughout my career, dedicating time and effort in understanding what they are and trying to be good at those. It was also a bit of the characteristic of the characteristics of the market that when I came out fresh as a service designer from the university in Milan, there were no jobs to do such a thing. So it when was that? 2008. Holy moly. <laughs> we are still young. Yeah. That definitely does not relate to your age, just your experience. Yes. So it was in 2008. And after that, it took me quite a long time to be able to work in this job. I think it took some time for this job to find its place on the market and get enough exposure for companies to feel safe and comfortable hiring people doing this job. I think that the understanding of what service design is, is still <laughs> quite wide. I find that a lot of people think that service design is designing services. And how I see it, it's not that. Because if you look at services, they are just another form of product. And especially today and in the past couple of years, even a decade, services have become 
the majority of products I think that designers can work with rather than products. Yeah, What's, what is even the difference nowadays between a service and a product? If it's a subscription model, then, then it's a service and otherwise it's a product or what? Yeah, or if it doesn't... How do you want to desire, define that? Yeah, you cannot even say anymore that if it's just, if it doesn't include a physical product, then it's it's a service because yeah. very often services do include physical products as well. Yeah, it is. It is and a products don't. Yes, yes. So how I see it, service design and how I studied it and what I do it is much more of a crossover between design and business. And while I believe that service design is something that can focus on strategy development of products and services, I have found myself crossing over to business a lot more than I had hoped for or that I had even expected. So basically what I think I do is somewhere on those borders. And this crossover started involuntarily really my my intention was always to focus on the product and develop a strategy that fits with what business wants but what i find is that business more often than not does not know what they want or how they want it or who they want it for and even if they have an inkling they don't have the data they don't have the attention and the energy spent on circling that and then making the choices and the priorities that will lead to a successful product. So I find that that's what I do. But I'm not sure what to name it or how to call it because my education does not include business and I don't feel comfortable sticking that word next to my job title, even though it's very much where I work. A lot more actually than with the product itself. My impression is that today, People who come to this business or any other business have a lot easier time to sticking these titles to their job descriptions than I do. You can apply at any course where you need to study 10 hours of fill in the blank and you become the expert of it. And I don't feel comfortable doing that because my education included years of studies. Okay, this is such an elitist approach. But... <laughs> yeah, but I understand where you're coming from and I... Uh, hate to admit it but I am on the problem side of this like I have created a lot of those courses that promise you fame and fortune in um, increasingly shorter and shorter time let me just put this disclaimer to it <laughs> that I am very applauding the possibility and the opportunity for people to have a sneak peek into an area and that they start getting an understanding of what that can do what I don't like is to call them an expert of such a field. So maybe it's with the marketing of it, or maybe the product and business strategy of it. <laughs> and what about you? Why do you find it hard to put a name to your job description? Uh, Aren't you just a developer who sits in a dark room and codes? I am sometimes just a developer who sits in a dark room and codes. But what I think might be a myth about developers and working with developers in general is that that's all that is needed to create something, some magic. And what I have found is that there is always so many more layers and aspects that are needed to create something that is valuable for people and to create it in a team. So every time I find something that could be 
improved, then I want to improve it. And that's great for the sitting in dark and coding work because that ends up being good software, but it can sometimes reach out of the bounds of that, these frustrations of mine. And then if I get frustrated about the processes that could be improved or the morale of myself or the team around me or the product that we are working on or the way that we make our decisions, then I just can't let that go and I have to tackle that. And that sometimes ends up with just frustrating and annoying the hell out of my bosses and clients and co-workers. And other times that gives me an opportunity to learn something new and get on new challenges and new roles. This reminds me also one aspect about my job, uh, about improvements and frustrations. The link between business and product strategy, what frustrates me really is when decisions are not made in a structural way. Like it's so easy, not easy in the sense of time span wise, but it is a process that everyone can follow. And it is so easy to follow that and build up a structure which will help you make decisions about every single aspect of your product. Businesses very often just either unaware or unwilling to go the distance, the initial distance, to build this framework, this structure, which will make everyone's life so much easier on the longer run, theirs included. And I find that that's where my fight is more often than not. Like, to get them to a point to commit to that. And I end up at the same spot where you do. It's either welcomed with arms wide open or being frustrated the hell out of of themselves for me or with me. I think here, with maybe both of these jobs, and we talked about this earlier in another episode, is... The desire, the drive to improve certain things comes with the territory of forming a criticism of the current state. And I find that that's a point that some clients respond well to because they see the intent and they understand that it is their interest too and some don't. So back to you. Why do you care to improve these aspects? Well, it's always important for me to create value for people and not just sit in the dark room and enjoy coding and I think that's why I was always drifting towards product and product development and not just software development but I still feel just as you mentioned about uh, feeling weird about calling yourself a business expert I still feel really weird about putting the word product in anywhere in my uh, title or description because I yes I have been drifting towards this for a long time and I have read the books and tried the processes and improved on the processes and worked with great coaches and uh, learned a lot but uh, I still don't feel like an expert on this topic and that's also what you have mentioned before it's so easy to call someone an expert, but I, I know what it feels like to be an expert of something because I do feel like after 20 years I am an ex- expert in, in the tech side 
but I'm definitely not an expert in the product side yet. But for example, the last time I worked with a, a team to help them improve how they work, we explicitly agreed that what I am doing is definitely not product management because they had some previous bad experiences with product people. And so it was easy for me to let that go and just focus on process improvements and basically resetting how they uh, manage their projects. And I could let that go and not focus on the pro product itself that they are working on, but just focus on how they work together. How is it different from agile coaching or scrum masters and those jobs? Uh, if I wanted to put an easier label on myself, I could say that I am an agile coach. Mm -hmm. In that in that project, I was an agile coach. But at the end, why I think it's better, it gives more value what I'm doing, is that I'm not locking myself into one specific type of tool or solution. So I'm not, I won't go there and try to sell Agile to them or get them work, working in sprints. But I will go and try to figure out how they work and try to figure out what are the these frustrating points of how they work together and how to find a better way for them. And that can be their project management system, there can be their tools, there can be the way they are motivated, that can be a technological thing that they are burning their time on tasks that should not be done by people. So it can be a lot of other things as well, not just the agile project management part. And the fact that I did end up doing some project management coaching basically for them is just basically a coincidence. It's just one of the tools that we picked. And I did a lot of other things. We figured out how to write better specifications, how to hold uh, themselves to that specification, and how to get some feeling of success when they get to some point of the specification and how to negotiate changes to that. So it, the end result was pretty far from agile. <laughs> and had components from Basecamp's shape-up methodology and other things that I could throw in the mix. So if I were an agile coach, I couldn't do that. Or if I did that, I that would be false advertising. My impression is that a lot of these jobs, a lot of these jobs have a need to define themselves within a certain box like what you mentioned agile coach you have to be an agile coach that's the only thing you sell you're a scrum master yeah. that's the only thing you do and i'm not sure why these different tool sets don't allow for crossing to other um, solutions or promoting other solutions or even merging with other solutions Yeah, I think it's pretty easy to start a business that is selling one type of solution and then it's a it's an easy way in. And then and there's no problem with that. So the world needs agile coaches and the world needs people who just teach you that one specific methodology or tool that you need. Uh, I think that's fine. There's another layer or another kind of service that 
gives you like a more more holistic thing. And I think the two can easily live together. I feel like I can really connect to this because I feel what I do is a lot similar to what you do, not in the subject of it, but in the nature of linking different knowledges together and trying to help others apply them in the right way in their context. I find that a lot of times that's something that's missing in teams, regardless of which level of an organization they sit. Because this is what happens. One trend comes in, that's the only thing you can do. Another trend comes in, that's the only thing you can do. But at this, actually, the way you become successful is if you learn how to apply them correctly or successfully. To decide if you want to, if you need them in the first place. And pick the, pick the right one. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So this was your last project? Yeah, this was my last project. And uh, I don't really want to sound all happy and successful about this because I have to say that so it was a successful project because they were very happy with the result of that one project that we did. They felt like they are very effective in creating that one feature that they were creating. And I left them a lot of documentations and processes to reproduce. But uh, as it was just a one-time thing, they couldn't really continue on this path. And they still have the original problems that we tried to solve with this project. And they still have a team that is losing motivation because they can't see the end of their work and just specifying one feature and setting uh, clear expectations around that didn't solve the original problem of specifying that for all the other features and the entire product. Very often what I help them to do is to link the low level as in operational aspects of working in a framework to a high level strategic framework because if that's missing it becomes a day-to-day struggle and a day-to-day energy dump to come to a conclusion a decision a compromise yeah do you miss development do you miss coding in your daily work or how do you how do you fit that into your this new extended practice Well, if I start to miss it, then I try to find something to work on. Uh, That's how I ended up uh, working on pro bono projects, for example. Before that, I helped a friend uh, build a prototype for his idea. That was also not technically a project because I didn't get paid for it. (laughs) Let's uh, add... It's not closely the topic of today's conversation, but let's add to that that it does happen in a freelancer's life that there are months without work. Yeah. It's not necessarily welcome. It's not the luxury of freelancing. It is... Actually, no, let me rephrase it. It is as much of of the luxury of freelancing as it is the curse of it. Yeah. And especially because we, again, previously talked about this because we haven't invested so much into our own marketing. We're a lot less focused on finding new projects. 
And so usually projects find us, which means there are periods when we don't have paid work. And those are still good periods for flexing our product muscles. Yeah. So you mentioned that what you are doing is like the, the next level above what, what I just told you about my last project. So can you tell me an example of that? Like how, how does that look like when people work with you? I always found that hard to imagine. Really? Because it's so abstract, the thing that you're doing. Okay, so how it starts, it's almost always the same. How it expands and what it will entail, that can differ. But almost always the question that I get first is, here is this situation, we have this product or we have these products, depending on the size of the company. What do you think we should do next? Where should this go? And I often feel that that question comes to, or it's addressed to a designer as if a designer should know. Like I just look, take a look and hmm, my inkling says such and such. Yeah, that, that's what makes you a good designer, right? That you just know things. <laughs> you know, during my education, especially in Milan, but even before that, I, I felt that there was, uh, maybe let's say that's what, this was through the 2000s, there was still the admiration okay. for the star designer. There was this impression in the world that the successful designers, they had this, they are even called visionary. Yes, the visionary designer. Yes. No matter which field you look at, you look at furniture, you look at software, you can pick any field. And they were the visionaries. Throughout my studies, I was already very much dedicated to understanding how solutions can be brought to life via collaboration. And collaboration, by collaboration, I mean the inclusion of those who will be A, the recipients, B, the producers of this solution. And luckily for me... This has become the practice these days. If you think about design thinking, all the sprints, the idea is let's involve all the stakeholders and together we are more than the sum of our parts. So coming back to what I do, it still often comes as a surprise when I say, okay, well, we will need some time to figure this out <laughs> because it's not like I can take a look and tell you where to go. It's actually me helping you take another look, a different look, and pick where you want to go. Let me come maybe a little bit less abstract. I can talk so much abstract shit. Abstract yes. Shit. <laughs> so you're sitting in a meeting room. <laughs> you have a whiteboard. The first part of what we do is... So basically my process follows the design thinking process in that sense that we first start looking at what we have and trying to separate the what we have from the what we want. And I find that that's very hard for most people. I think that one difference with my work is that I very often work with some kind of leadership rather than people who work directly with the product or only with people who work directly with the product. And the same challenges are present there with the, with the thinking process than it is with on the product level. So that's what we are trying to first clear up. What it is that we know. First, I try to have them gather every information that they have and clarify what it is that we don't have. Do we know who our customers are? Do, are they the people that we thought they were? Do we know how they use our product? What it is that we know about how they use the product? 
a lot of what we do in the beginning is holding up a mirror and helping them see their own business operations in an objective way. And what helps me do it is all the different tools that I've learned throughout design and business development. Even though these are tools that they often use in their daily practice, they very often don't have the time or they don't have, let's say, maybe a role designed for that to do it for them. So while they use these tools on product level, they very rarely have the, the time frame or just it's not part of their processes to apply the same kind of thinking to their strategies. So that's what basically we do. So we look at what they have and then we realize where the gaps are in information and in practices. Then I usually propose a research plan, how to fill in those gaps using a variety of research tools, be it qualitative or quantitative. Depends on the budget, the time frame we have, if there are any milestones that they need to hit the, the resources, financial and, and human resources we have. Is it super boring? No, I think it's really interesting. So why do you think organizations don't have these processes for the business decision-making level? That sounds very interesting for me. Like, basically what you're saying is that you're there to challenge something that they themselves are afraid to challenge because you're there to pick at something that they don't have systems in place to pick on for themselves. I think it is in many ways similar to individual therapy and improvement. You know, you have a problem, but you're really putting it off for so long to face it. And you don't know who to turn to. You don't know who is the right therapist for you. You don't know which is the right method for you. And then you finally find one and then little by little. And you're also just can't admit that something is wrong if you're in a leadership position. So yes. that makes it harder to ask for help or to go to therapy if you're a pers person in power. Especially if the problem is with leadership and on the leadership level. Right. And I think it's so important to emphasize and underline when I say it's a problem with leadership, it's not necessarily linked to the person who is in that role. Of course. But in the process is what they need to practice and execute. And funny enough, but for them to revise that and change that often also depends on another leader who is standing above them. So it comes back a lot to, a lot comes back to organizational structure. It's very challenging for them to do, not because they don't want to, but the expectations uh, for themselves and expectations for them from the outside makes it, I think, really hard to admit mistakes or admit difficulty, not even mistakes, just difficulty. And the same idea that goes for the star designer and the visionary, I think, can be applied at any leadership position that that's somehow they maybe believe to be, to be seen from their organization. So, so this role requires a voice of criticism. We come back to this. It, it requires taking a look at the, the current situation. And I see that 
people who try to do this job can often fail at doing this because looking at the current situation and and uh, diagnosing issues doesn't mean that you need to completely turn everything around and you have to point fingers at and finding someone to blame it is really requiring you to listen and very often the truth as most researchers will agree come out of the gaps not the field parts of the conversation so things that people may not talk about things that people um, avoid or don't touch upon directly so it requires a lot of you to be renting yourself out into to that process um, because I think that if you work for the hope to improve something it is in the interest of the company at the end of the day and companies will not improve they will not hear what I'm trying to get to is the only way to help someone if you allow them to see it for themselves and make the choice for themselves to change. And the only you, you will never be able to do that if you just stand there, hey, these are your problems. You need to be able to do it in a way that helps them allowing to go to that place, to be vulnerable, to be open to be sharing, even cross hierarchy ladder. And I think it's my job's responsibility to create that space. Because if that happens, then the truth can come out and even leaders can feel that they can be open to change and, yeah, allowing improvement to happen. I think when this role, if someone comes from within, they can't. Yeah, you need an outside perspective for this work. Yes. Did I answer your question? Uh, yes, and it absolutely was not boring. At least for me, it's now much easier to imagine what you're doing. And, and I respect it even more. Oh, that's but nice. Because what you're talking about is exactly the parts that I am completely incapable of doing. <laughs> like figuring out what people need based on things that they don't say. That's, that's crazy. You have a superpower there. Woohoo! It's just experience. There was, there was one thing I wanted to add to the process. And that part was, I, I talked about only, change can only happen if people want it to happen. It's not because I want it to happen. And what I mentioned in the beginning that initially they invite you to point a finger at the issues and tell them where to go. Fire. <laughs> yes. The... The reason why it doesn't work is because if I point my finger, I will be the one who will embody that issue for them. And they will not stand behind it, or nor in recognizing and neither in improving, wanting to improve that. So basically, the process is really focusing on making people work together and think together and take and make choices and take responsibilities for their choices. And I find that is also linked up very much with it's linked up with the idea whether they are willing to do it in the beginning of the process, because if they do, then, oh my God, the rest of the process is just smooth sailing. Okay, let's go more specific. I would be curious to understand more about the project, because we still talk very much in abstract terms. Would you care to share what the challenges were? 
Oh, that sounds like a job interview. Sounds like a medium article. Or that. I guess that's true for both of our job that there is some kind of a trigger event that is needed before they reach out and before they start to work with us. Uh, because they need to feel that something is not right and that's usually like something that's very loud and clear. Someone tries to quit or someone or some something happens in the business or the runway runs out or there is always some kind of a trigger event and uh, I think in this case the trigger event was that the team was so extremely unhappy that they started to talk about leaving the company and uh, one of the solution uh, solutions for that was to reach out to me and to try to work together and improve the conditions that made these people uh, start to think about quitting and so my real job was to keep people happy and to keep them at the company so in that regard you actually played some kind of an hr role too in some way yes and i for me it's always really important to explicitly like see what the real job is there because we can we can talk about yeah your job is to write the specification for this feature but that very rarely will be it <laughs> so there is always some some higher purpose even be behind the a task that is this straightforward so that's why I not just have them specify that feature but also talked a lot about how to do that on the long run and how what everyone needs uh, from this process to make their life and their work easier and try to focus on that yeah, well, my my case, it's very similar. The triggering event is where to go next, either because the ship is going down or because they hope the ship to sail faster, discover bigger islands. We can only talk in analogies. <laughs> yeah, but I relate, yes, my job or my role also comes in when... When shit hits the fan. Yeah, one way or another. It can be good shit as well, not just bad shit. <laughs> Yeah, true. What I struggle with, though, with this kind of a role is you try to install changes. You try to fill them up with better energies. And and then it's up to them. Yeah, and it's up to them. So we don't give them fish. That's maybe the big difference, right? We don't give them fish. We give them a knowledge how to fish. And then as soon as you leave, it's up to them whether they apply it and and I wish I somehow could secure it better when I leave that those things serve them well in the longer run yeah that's also an interesting topic that what we are doing is basically teaching teaching, coaching. To fish, teaching and coaching where do we arrive what is our job title what should be our job title what are the words that we have used let's see <laughs> Coaching, product, 
product business design development team processes processes therapy <laughs> improvement so this was us trying to define ourselves uh, hi i'm aniko i'm a software developer turned product focused tech consultant hi i'm yuli i work in product i come from design i help build strategy using business and service design tools and in that regard i'm a designer in the extended sense thank you for walking with us today looking forward to have you with us the next time around and until then so this whole episode was born because we had some listener feedback that they don't know what we're talking about so see we react to listener feedback so if you have something to tell us you can leave a comment on our instagram or send a dm whichever you prefer we're looking forward to that yeah see you the next time bye bye Today's episode was recorded in the Buddha Hills, produced by Aniko, Fayesh, and Yuli Mata, edited by Yuli, original music by White Hot from freebeats.io. Thank you for being with us today. Looking forward to have your company the next time around. Bye.